0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I, your erstwhile host, folklore nerd, freelance RPG writer and all that other stuff, present, I don't know, part two, I suppose, for this one, part two of Lilith, who is she, where she come from, a little bit of magic, and all that kind of stuff, I'm sorry this one's taken a little bit of time to come out, uh, after I released part one, I ended up being ill, it was apparently not coffered, Covid, Covid, coffee. I've got coffee here, I need lots of coffee at the moment. Um, yeah, so I was ill for a couple, for about just over two weeks, well, I didn't have the energy to do that. And then hay fever season has hit here, so you might hear it in my voice, but my face is streaming at the moment. I'm, I'm doped up on antihistamines, buckets of tissues lying around, um, lots of coffee, lots of sugar to kind of give me the energy to do this. Because I thought I thought I should really kind of actually get this one out. It's been written and, and prepared for a while, but I've just not had the time to sit down and actually record it. Well, I have. I've just not had the energy, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I've got myself a nice hot cup of coffee here. Actually, oh, quite hot. Ow! Box of tissues. So let's let's delve into to more of the academic history of Lilith and a bit of bit of archaeology and stuff. He had the stories last time, um, this time we're going to look all the other stuff. So, um, in episode 1, or well not episode 1, in the last episode, in part 1, I mention that Lilith comes from the epic of Gilgamesh and the story Gilgamesh and the Hulupu Tree. Um, and that there might be some contention over this. So, it all comes down to similar sounding words... That may or may not share an etymology. So the story of Gilgamesh is a Sumerian story and it was written in cuneiform from, like most things that were around that time. And there is an example in the list of Sumerian kings that states that Gilgamesh's father is a lilu or a demon. And in Sumerian the word Lili is a female demon. So most often this, this kind of demon is a is a wind demon um but it apparently does not share a connection with the akkadian word lilu meaning evening but is also a masculine word for demon alongside Lily and Lily too which are female spirits of demons so there's this weird thing that happens with the etymology of 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 lilith in that big be- early beginnings whether it's sumerian or akkadian whether there's a route that they both come from is unclear Um, there is an Akkadian cuneiform tablet that lists Lilu alongside other evil creatures from Mesopotamian mythology and folklore and it reads the wicked Utuku who slays men alive on the plain the wicked Alu who covers man like a garment the wicked Edimu the wicked Galu who bind the body The Lame, or Lamashtu, the Lamia Labasu, who cause disease in the body. The Lilu, who wanders in the plain. They have come nigh unto a suffering man on the outside. They have brought a painful malady in his body. So there you go. Um, That's got, obviously, Lilu in Who Wanders the Plain. And you can maybe connect that into the, the wind demon. The wind wanders around the deserts and the plains of Acadia. Then, if we look at the Hebrew word Lilith, it com- it becomes a female night demon, as it's likely to stem from the Hebrew word Layla or night. And that is L A Y L A H, not Layla as in the song. In some Mesopotamian cuneiform tablets, the word Lilith and Lilithu are seen to be disease bearing spirits. I seem to have written this in a very random, roundabout way. So, I'm uh, kind of describes my mental state at the moment with all the fuzziness of my head. Anyway, yeah so the Mesopotamian Cuneiform tablets have the words Lilit and Lilitu and they seem to be disease-bearing wind spirits Um, and the Hebrew word has no direct connection to the Sumerian word etymologically uh, but only by folk etymology so Lilit does not come from Sumerian So the Hebrew word Lidit Comes from another Hebrew word layla, And it doesn't come from Lidit Or Liditu which are Mesopotamian And Sumerian words so ooh, Yay Etymology and history and all that kind of Wonderful stuff uh, Just as, just a thing I'm not an expert in any of this I'm just going with what the things I do on the internet and find things on the internet And do that research But I do know kind of how to follow clues and hints and things, uh, because it's my day job in sciences. So anyway, uh, another possible explanation is that Lilith comes from the combining of two earlier Babylonian demons. And these are ones you'll have heard of, uh, Lamashtu, the child eater, and Lilithu who was a kind of succubus. This kind of makes sense when we come to later tales of Lilith where she takes on these aspects. Uh, where she she preys on mothers during childbirth and tempting men at the night, uh, becoming the cause of their wet dreams. This also brings in the movie reference here, in a very odd way, um, as I always like to bring in odd things here. The Exorcist. Uh, the demon that possesses the child is Pazuzu, who is also a Mesopotamian wind demon, but is also kind of king of the Lilu and protected homes from other Lilu like Lamashtu. So Pazuzu is is a demon, but he's also a bit of a protector and says, no, go away, Lilith, Lilu, Lamashtu. He was a protector of young children and mothers, and so he's kind of an anti-hero. Um, maybe he was even iffy, iffy, iffy comment here. Uh, he may have even been created specifically to work against the demon Lamashtu. So iffy comment. Um, I could do some other iffy comments about the Bible, but I think I'll leave that for another story. So, um, night spirits, uh, the Lilin, um, these come from the desert and attack men in their sleep, as I just mentioned, and uh, may be the cause of wet dreams. Uh, The Lilin appear in both Mesopotamian and Jewish folklore, and they were highly sexualized, but were unable to bear children and had no milk. They later become the children of Lilith, and we'll hear about that in a little bit when her story kind of develops and becomes more full, I suppose, kind of around um, 12 and 1300s as we get the Book of Zohar and the the Treaties of the Left Emanation. Yeah, when when all those uh, kind of written and and fleshed out, we start seeing more fleshing out the Lilith story. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of a bit of odd history there with Lilith and the Lilin um, and Lily too, and where it might have come from. Let's do a kind of side track here for a second and look at the Bible and some rather interesting interpre- interpretations that lead her to maybe be a donkey or a vampire. So in the Hebrew Bible, Lilith only appears once. and possibly only once in the Christian Bible, depending on which versions you read and how you like your flavor of vampire or donkey. Uh, she appears in Isaiah 34:14. 14. Specifically 14 is the line that she appears in, but the whole kind of bit around it kind of connects so And this is from the Mesoretic text or the text of the tradition, which is the authoritative Hebrew and Aramaic text, kind of like the Hebrew Bible thing. Um and it reads And shall meet wild cats and jackals, the goat he calls his fellow, Lilith, she rests and she finds rested. There she shall nest the great owl and lay eggs, and she hatches and she gathers under her shadow hawks, kites, gleeds. Also they gather every one with its mate. Um in one of the fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls she becomes a they as in plural. Um, so Lilith or Lilith uh, becomes Liliot or Lilioth. So the male and female version of the plural version of Lilith. So it may or may not be one single creature, uh, or may have evolved over time from these overarching Lily creatures into Lilith, the single demon. Um, so even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, the Qumran texts, uh, it was possibly, it was possibly still a plural. Uh, if we move over to the Christian versions of the Bible, and we go for a King James translation of the same passage. So this is again Isaiah, and this is from the King James Bible. I'm going to read a bit of a longer one here, um, to give you the kind of the full context of it. And so this is Isaiah 34, 12 to seventeen. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there, and all her princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and and it shall be a habitation of dragons, and a court for owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the islands, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow, The screech owl shall also rest here and find for herself a place of rest. There shall the great owl make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under her shadow. There shall the vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail, none shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded and his spirit it hath gathered them. And he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it into them by line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation shall they dwell within. Um, yeah, so that's a bit of a, a longer one. Um, she still appears, kind of, in like uh, verse 14. Where she's actually become a screech owl. So a creature of the night. Uh, and this in a way comes around problems in translation. So we've already seen that some people seem to think that Lilith might have come from Gilgamesh um, which is a folk etymology thing and again we're going down some uh, etymological roots here Um some traditionally, traditional words and languages are a little bit hard to conceptualise and translate across time and languages um, so one of the things that I always find hard to translate Is one of the inane words that you kind of hear in Japan Called irashimase And it kind of means welcome But it's only a word that you'd ever use in a shop It's never used in the concept of welcoming someone to your house So irashimase will only ever be said in the shop But it also translates to welcome in English But I'm not going to say that word to someone coming to my house So it's a little bit of an odd one. Um, so anyway, this here, this Greek now comes from I think the Hebrew translation. Um, I know the next two kind of uh, 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 strange translations from that as well. So, so in the oldest Greek translation of the Old Testament known, um, which is the I'm going to get this probably pronounced wrong. Septuagint, I don't know. Um, the word for lith, lilith, and for jackals or wild beasts of the island is the same. And this is the Onokentaurus. Uh, this is a Greek mythological beastie, and he's a little bit similar to the centaur, uh, but maybe a little bit weirder. Still half man, half beast, but in this case, the beast is a donkey. Yep, half man, half donkey. Uh, and instead of four legs, it only has two hind legs. And depending on the best tree that you look at, uh, it uses its human arms and hands as its front legs, or sometimes it just walks on its two back legs. But it has a weird curved back. Um, it doesn't look like the donkey can stand up human straight, so you've still got the back of a donkey and then the human bit kind of rears up. It's a bit of a... Go look, go Google it, it's a weird creature. Onokentaurus. O-N-O-K-E-N-T-A-U-R-O-S. The other animals, um, even though the goat is often referred to as a satyr from Greek mythology, are translated in this text as daimonia or demons. So basically demons and donkey people are meeting up and having a bit of a fun. Um, And it all comes down to a little bit of a weird translation depending on uh, the roots of the the version that they're actually translating from. Then we go into the Latin translation where it takes Lilith and translates it to Lamia. uh, and the beasts again become demons. Now Lamia is a Greek creature, again, uh, and you can see the connection here to the early Akkadian stories um, and the Mesopotamian stories, as Lamia is a child-eating demon, and also often a night hunter. She's also thought to be a bit of a bloodsucker, um, and hence the connection to vampires. Quite often she's listed in stories as one of the earliest vampires, and this is where the connections grow between Lilith becoming Queen of Vampires, because she's connected to Lamia in these early Latin translations of the Bible. So yeah, uh, the Bible likes vampires, as well as demons and mothers of demons. So that's 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 kind of like a bit of a sidetrack. Let's uh, go back into some rabbinic literature and Kabbalah. So we're going to go to the Treatise on the Left emanation. This work states, interestingly, that there are actually two Liliths. Not a plural as in we had before in the old Mesopotamian and Dead Sea Scrolls as in Lilith actually exists in kind of two forms. There's the matron or older version and then the lesser or younger version. And this is kind of how she's married to both Samael in the matron or older form and Asmodeus as in the younger and lesser form. So in the Samael Lilith story, Lilith's children, the Lilin, Um, and hence mother of demons again they are vast and numerous and so to stop them from filling the world Samuel has his bits lopped off by God and this may be kind of a reinterpretation of God castrating the male Leviathan and in some stories just outright murdering the female Leviathan some other versions kind of do say that he makes the female infertile uh, but in kind of like the biggest ones he just kind of outright murders her Basically, he wanted to stop them having sex and letting their children destroy the world. Hmm. I feel this is a little harsh here um, on the female because murder, whereas the bloke just gets his nuts cut off. Uh, but then we all know issue. Uh, we all know religion has an issue with uh, feminism and strong female role models. Just look at Lilith, who basically uh, she was being forced to, to lie on her back underneath Adam whilst having sex. Where she refuses, because she know you know she wants to have a bit of fun as well. it's It's not all just about him. She gets into all sorts of trouble. um and so just because she wants to enjoy herself and have a good time riding Adam, she gets into like all this weird shit gets happened to her, she gets turned into a demon. Do we think that's fair? Mm, maybe not. And this is kind of where we <laughs> this whole rant is where you kind of see the rise of feminist feminism and her in feminism and that whole feminist icon. Where she just goes, I want to do what I want to do and have fun how I want to have fun. Can you leave me to my own body? Um, Anyway, that's a whole other route to go down, but I'm not going to do that today. So, anyway, uh, so if if Lilith is is a demon, and she's a child-eating demon, and she wants to have sex with your man, uh, come into your house at night, have sex with your man, and uh, make him have his wet dreams and all that kind of stuff, Is there a way of stopping her from doing this? Well, yes. Yes, there is. Uh, And there are many examples um, of spells, amulets and incantations from across history that can help you do this. I'm going to have a look at some in a second. I'm going to have a drink of coffee first. The most famous of these are the incantation bowls of the Sassanid Empire from Babylon, and of around the 4th to 6th century AD. That's kind of the period that we're looking at for these. There's about 80 of them that have survived, in various states of being whole or being in many, many pieces. And they tend to depict Lilith, and some of them also predict, uh, predict, depict Lilith, the male form of Lilith, in the centre of the bowl. Um, Tends to be naked, have kind of mad, wild hair, mad, large eyes, like proper, like staring at you eyes. Uh, Large hands, and often chained in the hands and legs, Um, hands and legs, arms and legs, whatever. And this is to kind of represent the binding of the demon um, that the bowl is going to attach itself to. Flowing around this central image is the incantation itself. It starts next to the image and it spirals outwards. Most often the, the incantation is an excerpt from scripture or references to the Talmud. Um, So again, kind of references to scripture. And they have found examples in all various languages from Aramaic to Arabic and to Middle Persian. So there's loads of different examples of this. Some are also written in complete nonsense scripts that either has no meaning or had meaning to the people who wrote it and we are unable to translate it. If the incantation is written properly and then the bowl is buried upside down, Either beneath the house or kind of somewhere on the land of the house that wants protecting, the incantation ball was capable of warding your house against Lilith and therefore protecting your children and the husband of the house. And there are connections to also protecting the woman of the house because of the male form. We're not going to pick on genders here. The, the, the Lilith or Lilith would um, have sex with the man or the woman. Uh, so, Obviously we've said that Lilith and Lilith, but not all incantation balls were aimed at these two. Some were kind of for more generic demons and genie, Uh, and the British Museum does hold one, uh, which is written in Aramaic. Uh, You can go onto the the website and you can actually view this, Um, and they've got a translation of the incantation. I've got the translation here, I'm going to read it, there's some weird words in here, so I'm sorry if it just sounds a bit weird in places. This bill of divorcement is for the demon, and for the devil, and for the Satan, and for Niruk, and for D-K-Y-H, and for Abitur, and the mountain, and for this Lilith that they may desist from, Bahranduk, daughter of Nuenduk, and for Matad, son of Ispandamrid, and from whole her house, for the binding of Bagdana, king of demons and of devils, and great ruler of Liliths, I adjure you, Habsalas the Lilith, daughter of the daughter of Zani the Lilith, where male or female, I adjure you that you be smitten in the membrane of your heart and with the tear of, T-Y-Q-S, the Mighty One, who is ruler over demons and over Liliths, behold, I have written against you, behold, behold, I cause you to desist from her and from the house of Baharanduk, daughter of Nuenduk, from her son, as demon write bills of divorcement and give them to their wives, and they do not return to them again. Take your bills of divorcement and accept your bans and go forth and flee and run away and go from the house of Bahran Duk, daughter of Nuenduk, in the name of H-Y-G-Y-H and D-Y-H and T-T-M, sealed with a signet ring of T-Y-Q-S, the Mighty One, and the signet ring of Sergili, upon which is inscribed the great ineffable name. Amen, 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 Selah. Uh, that's a translation from Sigel 2000 uh, on the British Museum website, as I say. So there you go. Um, that's an example of an incantation. You can actually see in this that it, it there's many types of Lilith here. There's Habsalas the Lilith, um, who is the daughter of the daughter of Zani the Lilith. Um, again you've got whether male or female, don't know whether it's a man or a woman, who is ruler over demons and over Liliths. So again we're seeing mult of the plurality here that Lilith may have been a plural it may have been re- referring to the class of demons nice little thing that really isn't it quite a quite a, quite a potent sounding incantation there. So I think that's it for this episode. I'm about to start sneezing again, I feel, and I've run out of my notes here. Uh, My voice is getting a little bit dry as well. So there is a lot, lot more to say about Lilith. There's vast, vast quantities of information out there, and I hope I've given you at least a small and interesting insight to her or them or it. If you want to find out a little bit more about Lilith, then I do fully recommend checking out the two-part series on Lilith over on Esoterica, the YouTube channel where um, Dr. Justin Sledge delves more into um, the urbanic literature and um, the roots of it and the history of it a little bit better than I do. Um, If you want more on kind of like the whole vampire connection, you can go and watch uh, Lady of the Library where she has a video on that it's kind of cool but there's also hundreds and hundreds of youtube videos out there and podcasts and websites and all sorts of stuff that go into it and books and things so anyway uh i'll so say that's it for me for this episode uh, i'm not quite sure what to do for the next episode yet it may be more occult stuff or maybe folklore i'm not sure if you've got any suggestions, you could always send me an email over at the Storyteller UK at gmail.com. You never know. You might send me something and I might do it. I've kind of got ideas like i I've looking at Satan and Lucifer and Beelzebub and all that lot, or the seventy-two demons of the Book of Solomon, or the lesser book of Lesser Key of Solomon, I should say. Or I can go down some more folklore routes. I don't know. Anyway that is yet to be decided. So all that is left for me to say is Goodbye, my friends.